Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. All right, church, you're about to hear from one of our very own favorites, Pastor Josh Turner, who pastors Celebration Church Orlando. Now, this is how cool this is. Okay, last year, Celebration Orlando was part of our Heart for the House initiatives. And because of your giving, we were able to launch Celebration Orlando. Of course, Josh is a son in in the house. He's been part of the Celebration staff, he and Becca, for many, many years. We love them, a great family. They went to Orlando, and listen to this, in just one year, now Celebration Orlando is over 1,000 people in weekly attendance. So it shows you how your giving makes an eternal difference. And we're so glad that he's here today. We love him so much. So I want you to stand to your feet and give the best celebration welcome you can to our very own pastor, Josh Turner. What's up? How are we? We, uh, please, please sit down. How are we doing? We good? It is good to be home. Uh, One of the things that's always funny about coming home is when you guys see me like out in the lobby, you wave at me like I've been in Baghdad for the past two years. You're like, hey, hey, hey. And I'm like, I live in Orlando, come to Disney World. I mean, just, you don't have to come see me. But like, man, it is awesome to be back. As always, I wanna honor Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry. It is never, even sitting on the front row, um, I, I preach every weekend. You know what's crazy today? Uh, my wife's preaching in Orlando this morning, and I'm preaching here. So we're slowly forming a mutiny. Um, that Becca and I, I think Pastor could still take me. I let, he let me borrow his shirt as well. Um, so uh, it's crazy coming here. There's always a weight of standing on this stage. There always is this, man, I'm getting ready to stand on the stage of, of Stovall Weems. And uh, God, I always get choked up, dadgummit. Um, it's an honor. It's an honor to be believed in like this. It's an honor to have someone believe in you like this, but then just to be asked to come back kind of like the prodigal son that made it a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, um, and so can we please honor our senior pastor, Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry for all that they do. and. Guys, this is so awesome. I, I brought some friends with me from Orlando, from our church. Stand up, guys. Say hello. So they're a part of the church. Nate looks like he used to be in Leonard Skinnerd, um, which is awesome, because I would do it if I had hair, but the Lord has struck me. Um, so I have a cool story I wanna share with you real quick about Orlando, because I, I need to bring some reports. Do you know what I mean? To let you know I'm not in jail, um, nothing has happened too bad. So I wanna share something with you, and this happened last weekend. And this is probably one of my favorite things that has happened in the church since we have started the church. Um, There's a couple named Ben and Jess. And uh, one Sunday after the church first launched, I went outside and we had this big blue tent where when people get saved, they can go to it if they feel comfortable. And Jess is standing out there and she's sobbing and she's holding a new Bible. Her mom is standing there, her mom's sobbing. She's holding a new Bible. And so I know that they got saved. So I walked up to them and I was like, man, y'all got saved this morning. I'm so happy for you. Like the mom, this is what the mom says to me. She goes, I've been a Catholic for 50 years. I don't know anything about Jesus. And I was like, first of all, let's not lump all the Catholicism into that, okay? 
And so, so they just stood there and they, and they both got saved. And then the, the, the boyfriend, Ben, he goes, can I talk to you? And Ben was like ugly crying. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, mm, my girlfriend got saved. It was like, Ben, take a minute, man. Like get yourself together. And so Ben's crying and he's like, I've been praying about this forever. And, and so it was just this really, really neat moment. Well, um, what I didn't know is that Ben and Jess had been living together unmarried for two years. Um, and just so you know, that's not cool. That's not okay in the Bible. And um, some of you are like, what? Um, and so Ben and Jess have been living together for two years and we've been in this series called How to Change Your World. And really what we've been looking at is, man, what is that thing that God has placed on your heart that you feel like you have to do? Like, what is that one thing that God has told you? Like, this is it. And so I started getting emails from Ben and Jess and, and they said, Josh, we, we feel like God is calling us to get married. Um, and I'm like, gosh, man, I'm so proud of you guys. And so I said, let's talk about it after church on a Sunday. And so I'm waiting out front for them. And so they come out and I'm like, I'm so proud of you guys for taking this right step to putting God first in your relationship. I'm like, when are you guys gonna get married? Like six months, like five months, three months? They're like, no. They're like, we want to start putting Jesus first in our relationship as soon as possible. I said, man, I'm so proud of you guys. And they're like, we wanna do it in Howard Middle School, which is where we do church, and we want you to do it. When can you do it? I'm like, guys, the only thing I can think of is doing it between a 9.30 and 11.30 service on a Sunday morning. So we have a picture, because last week we did a, a wedding. <laughs> between the 9.30 and the 11.30 service. And so Ben is pumped. They just kept looking at each other going, you're my wife, you're my husband. Like, and I'm like, all right, this is getting weird. Um, <laughs> and so what was so neat about this, I won't leave this picture up for a second. Here's what I want you to see. What was so cool about this is they brought a ton of friends that would have never come to church, but they came to support them. And then they stood out front of the church on these huge steps taking pictures and people were stopping and looking. The reason I wanna show you this is I know that Drew just stood up here and talked about heart for the house and, and getting your offering in, and I wanna encourage you to do this. And the reason I wanna encourage you to do this is because I want to put a, two faces to your dollars. That, that, that Ben and Jess's lives have been forever changed in Orlando, Florida because Two years ago, there were a lot of you in here that believed in this. They said, man, we believe that God is calling Celebration to Orlando. We believe, we hope God is calling Josh. And so like, we all went down there. And here are two people. that They were living in sin. Jess wasn't even saved. She has gotten saved. Her mom got saved. And in less than a year, they have gotten married and they're putting God first in their relationship. And I want you to see, yes, it's because of Jesus. Yes, it's because of God, but it's also because of you sowing into good soil. And I want you to know that Celebration Church is good soil. And I don't wanna beat a dead horse, but I wanna encourage you to get, your, to get your heart for the house in. To know that you're making a difference in the lives of people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. That was, yeah. Okay, so, so when Pastor Stovall called me and asked me to preach, I knew exactly what I was going to preach. Like, it, it wasn't like a, well, maybe, a, I'll be honest, I didn't even pray about it, guys. I just knew, and I shouldn't say, it was a joke. Relax, okay? Everybody, <laughs> chill out. 
Yo, um, heathen, backslider. Um, <laughs> he's been down there around that Disney World too long. Um, so honestly, like I, I knew exactly what I was gonna preach. A lot of you, um, some of you that don't know me, a lot of you do, um, I have a seven-year-old daughter. Um, thank you. Um, my daughter has special needs. Uh, her name is Riley. Riley was only supposed to live a year. She is now seven. Um, so, yeah. So, um, at our house, our house is very different. We have nurses that live with us every night to take care of her. Um, she is in a motorized wheelchair now, so she is demolishing every piece of furniture we have at our house. Um, she is a terror. Um, she just, if we put a battering ram on that thing, I think SWAT would hire her. That's all I'm gonna say. And so she's, she, we, we speak with sign language at our house. Um, she can't stand up, she can't eat, she has a feeding tube, she has a tracheostomy. Uh, she sleeps on a ventilator at night. And part of this journey um, for us as a family is we speak sign language at our house. I don't know if you have ever been disrespected by a seven-year-old that speaks sign language. I have, it's adorable. Um, and so, so she speaks, so we, we speak sign language and really my wife and my son uh, who will be a teenager this coming year, which is terrifying. Um, anybody have teenagers that you just wanna beat them all the time right now? My dad's got both hands up because I'm 34 and he still wants to beat me. Um, and so, so we speak with sign language and my son and my wife and, and Riley are really good at it. And, and so I've gotten a lot better at it over, over the seven years. And the doctors told us, you know, we don't, we don't think Riley's ever gonna be able to speak um, because what Riley's condition is is she has low muscle tone. And so she can't sit up on her own, she can't swallow, that's why she has a tracheostomy. So the doctors always told us, you know, we don't think that she'll ever be able to speak even if she gets the tracheostomy out because we don't think her vocal cords are strong enough. And so we just kind of, um, we're in a place where we accepted that. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you have been in a season for so long or you have been believing for something for so long or you have been in, in whatever for so long that, that you don't give up, but you just kind of accept it. Like, God, just maybe this is what it is. God, you know, like, I can do it, Jesus, I've got you, like, whatever the case may be, but, but man, God, like, we just accepted it. And that's kind of where we were. And so we were sign language all the time. She clicks to get your attention, so... Like, so when you look at her, then she'll sign to you. Um, and so Becca was out of town in Birmingham and I had to take Riley to school. She goes to school on Mondays. And so that day I went to school with her and it was the first time in a long time that me as, had, as her dad really saw how much her disability was now hindering her. She had all of her little girlfriends around her and they're all running through the woods and I'm like jogging behind and I'm like, slow down, put that thing in third, good Lord. Like, and so like, she's, she's going and so the reason I have to follow her is because if she wants to talk to her friends, I have to interpret for her. So I have to like, she'll go and point to the girl and then I'll look at Riley and I'll interpret to the little girl and, and that's, that's kind of the life we've lived in. So that day at school for me, I, I really saw how much her disability was beginning to limit her. Later that day, we went to a little girl's birthday party. All the parents were downstairs. Um, apparently what little girls do at birthday parties is they dance. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, I know that now because I had to sit in a corner 
Um, Riley, my own child, put me in the corner so that I could translate for her. So I would sit in the corner and I'm like trying to not look like a creeper. So I'm like looking on my phone. These little girls are dancing over here. I'm like the weirdo in the shadows. And so, so she would like, she'd click at me and I'd look at her and I'd translate. And I went home that day and I called Becca. She was in Birmingham and I said, she said, how's Riley? How's the day? I said, today was really hard for me. She had a great day. For me, it was hard. I said, I, I, it's the first time in a long time that I have really seen her disabilities like really negatively impact her. And I was like crying on the phone as I'm trying to not do right now. And um, I said, it's hard. It's hard to see this now. And it kind of made me, I don't wanna say angry at God, but you ever been frustrated at God? Like, now, anytime, Lord, like what the heck? Why are you letting this happen? And can I just say this, everybody? God can handle your anger and God can handle your frustration. Don't feel like you have to dress it up when you go to him. Don't feel like you have to like clean it up and say it in all this holy language because he already knows what you're thinking anyway. You know what I mean? So just go. So I would just, I was frustrated and God, why? Why is it like this? God, why this long? God, why now it hurts her? God, we can deal with it, but for her, and so, but like I said, we were in this place where we just kind of accepted it. Like this was our journey. This is what, this is what God had called the Turner family to. And we were okay with it. It hurt, but we were okay. And so we just kinda were there. Well, then October 12th happened. October 12th, I was sitting downstairs on my computer working my wife, like every good wife in America, was at Target. And um, I'm like, you just went yesterday. Why are you going back? What is there? Why? Don't buy clothes from Target. I don't understand what's happening. You shouldn't be able to buy bread and a shirt in the same place. And so she was at Target, and, and I'm sitting downstairs working, and the kids are... Aiden and Riley are laying on the floor and they're playing video games. Just playing video games. All of a sudden I start hearing something. So I look down and Riley is covering her tracheostomy with her finger. And she is sucking air in and she's making a noise. And so I kind of sit there a minute and I look at it. I said, Riley, I go, can you cover that and blow out and make a noise? So she covers her trach, she blows out, and she makes a noise. So I look at my son, I said, Aiden, go get her Passamere valve. A Passamere valve is a valve that goes on the end of a trach so that a person with a trach can breathe in through the trach, but when they breathe out, they breathe out through the mouth and nose, causing air to pass over the vocal cords. So Aiden goes and gets her Passamere valve, we put it on her, and we sit her up. And I got out my phone, and I filmed a video and this is the video that I filmed. Can you say it? Say mommy. Nah, nah. Say it again. Nah, nah. Hey, play that, Esteban, play that one more time. I want you to listen one more time because I never get tired of hearing it, but she back talks now. Can you say it? Say mommy. Nah, nah. Say it again. Nah, nah. So listen, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. For the first time in seven years, 
while my little girl is playing video games. She just starts speaking out of nowhere. Like, like, like nowhere, like it wasn't like, and so you can clap now. You can, you can clap now, okay. So, so for, for days, I processed this. I, I, I am a very, I don't seem like this, but I'm always in my head, very cerebral. God, why? Why like this, God? Why now, God? Why, like, I'm, I'm just asking a million questions. And I had a ton of different thoughts. I had a ton of different ideas. I had a ton of different moments with God, but I really landed on three things. And here's what I wanna do today. I want to encourage you. And the reason I wanna encourage you is I know that there are some of you in here, you are believing for something. You may not be believing for your little girl to talk, but you are holding on to hope for something. You are believing for something. You are praying about something. You are trusting for something and it hasn't happened yet and you're kinda in the place where I was and my wife is and that we still are at times where God, I keep praying about it. God, I keep crying out. God, I keep doing whatever, but God, maybe this is just what it is you've called us to. And that's where you are and, and, and we kind of got a part of our miracle. And as I've processed this over the past God, month, two months, whatever, I really landed on three things. And I wanna give you these three things and I want you to write these three things down because I want you to remember them. You know, preaching and teaching doesn't do anything for us if we just come in here, hear it, and then don't do anything about it with our, in our lives. It is we have got to apply the word of God to our lives, not just hear it all the time. Hearing doesn't always do stuff, you have to apply it to your life. And so I wanna encourage you and I hope that over this holiday season, whatever it is that you're believing for, whatever it is that you're hoping for, whatever it is that you're trusting God for, that you would, you would hold on to these three things, amen? I wanna pray for you first though. God, I thank you for every person in this room. God, I thank you for the opportunity to come and preach. Holy Spirit, I pray that in the next few moments that we spend together, that you would speak to the heart of every individual in this room. God, you know what they're believing for. God, you know what they are hoping for. God, you know what they are trusting for. And so God, I pray that you would take this message and that you would use it to encourage them. And God, I pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus, amen. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And these aren't, here, let me say this. These aren't gonna be rocket science. Some of you are like, we've heard you preach. We weren't expecting that. Like, <laughs> these aren't gonna be rocket science. These aren't gonna be things that you've never heard before. But sometimes I think that we need to be reminded of the truths that still hold true in the gospel because sometimes our current circumstances don't always back up what the Bible says. And what you have to remember is your circumstances aren't the truth, but the word of God is the truth. And sometimes we've got to stand on that. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus's timing is perfect. Jesus's timing is perfect. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 11, verses one through six. John chapter 11, verses one through six. This is the story of Lazarus, and this is kind of what we're gonna look at a little bit today. It says this. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. 
This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So here's what we see. Jesus and his buddies are hanging out. A messenger shows up and says, Jesus, your dear friend Lazarus, whom you love, is very sick. And then Jesus stays where he is for another two days. I don't like that. I want it to read like Jesus got word that his friend Lazarus was sick. And then Jesus, with the speed of the flash, ran to Bethany to heal him and say, he shall not taste death and like raise him from the, like that's what I want it to read, right? All of us do. That, that Jesus hears that someone is sick and then Jesus stands up and he takes off running. That's what we want Jesus to do. But that's not what we see. Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. Jesus says this will not end in death and he stays where he is for another two days. Not only does Jesus stay where he is for another two days, but it takes him another two days to get there because he is 110 miles away from where Lazarus is. And we know that it takes him four days to get there because by the time that Jesus gets there, Martha says, Jesus, don't roll the stone away from the tomb because his decomposing body is gonna smell too bad. I don't know about you, that doesn't look like perfect timing to me. It doesn't look like you nailed it on that one, Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna be like, got it. Like, I'm not gonna high five him in that moment. <laughs> and so it's one of those things where you look at Jesus' perfect timing and you're like, this doesn't look perfect to me. But it doesn't look perfect if we're only looking at it through the filter of a human lens. And see, that's what a lot of us do. We look at our circumstances and we look at our situations like this. We can only see what is right in front of us. We can only see what we want to see. And then a lot of us, we have our own timetables and we want Jesus to operate in our timetables. But what we have got to remember is that Jesus doesn't operate in our timetables. It's our job and it's our hope and it's our trust to operate in his timetables. And so what we remember is, is that we can't look at stuff like this. We can't look at stuff through this filter. And if you look at the story of Lazarus, it looks like Jesus' timing is not only not perfect, but it looks like it's horrible. It looks like it's terrible. I mean, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. His body is a stinky, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nacho Libre. I'm still a youth pastor at heart. Um, so like, it, it looks like his, his timing is terrible. But here's what Jesus knew that we don't know. You see, back in that day, there was an old Jewish superstition. And what that Jewish superstition was, was that when a person died, their soul would hover over their body for three to four days. As the soul is hovering over their body for three to four days, the soul would try to re-enter the body. And if in those three or four days that the soul re-entered the body, then that person would have been resuscitated. The only way that the soul quit hovering over the body was when the soul began to see the body decompose, thus making resuscitation impossible. So what Jesus knew 
was that if he showed up before that body had begun to decompose, then people would have said that he only resuscitated Lazarus. But what Jesus wanted everybody to know was that he didn't resuscitate Lazarus, he resurrected Lazarus because Jesus doesn't come to just make dead things better, he comes to make dead things alive. His timing is perfect. His timing, Jesus shows up right when he should all the time. He's never too early and he's never too late. And listen, I know that that's not easy. I'm not saying that to you of like, buck up champ, Jesus is always on time. You know what I'm saying? Like that makes me want to punch myself in the face. <laughs> but what we've got to remember, Jesus sees more than we see. And here's what you also have to remember. At the core of all of it, he wants what's best for you. And sometimes what Jesus knows and that you don't know is that if he gave you what you wanted right now, you would not be able to sustain it. And it, there are some of you in here, you have been believing for a husband or a wife for so long. Lord, when, Jesus, Lord, now, God. Like, I mean, you're just crying out. But what God knows is that if he gave your crazy behind what you wanted right now, you would ruin it. Because what Jesus is saying, listen, I need you to focus on me right now. I need you to focus on what I'm doing in your heart. I need you to focus on where I'm leading you. I need you to focus on what I have for you. But I'm not saying it like it's easy. I'm not telling you like this like it's easy. It, it's hard. It's tough. Waiting on the Lord isn't always, it's, ah, never the easiest thing. But just because things are hard doesn't mean that they're not right. Just because things are hard doesn't mean it's not what God would have for us. We've always gotta remember, whatever you are believing for right now, whatever you are hoping for right now, Jesus' timing is perfect. Amen? Amen? The second thing is this, if you're taking notes, it helps you get into heaven. Um, <laughs> preacher jokes. Um, Jesus knows what you need. Jesus' timing is perfect, and Jesus knows what you need. Look at John 11, 20 through 35. Now here's what I want you to notice as we read this. I want you to notice the way that Jesus responds differently to the two sisters. It says this, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Here's what I want you to notice in that. So their brother has just died. Jesus comes out. It's obvious in this moment that Martha kinda has it a little bit together. 
She's able to rationalize with Jesus. She's able to have these conversations with him. Martha, I'm the Messiah. Yes, Lord, I've always believed that you're the Messiah. I'm like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, she has it together. You ever met those people at a funeral? They're like, they just have it. Like, it's cool. They're with Jesus. I got this. Like, and you're like, dang, you really got it together. But on the other side of the room, there's someone losing their mind. Like, that's what you see here. So look at Jesus. Jesus reasons with Martha. He has a conversation with Martha. Now watch in contrast to Mary. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, so here's what I want you to picture. She sees Jesus. When she gets to Jesus, her only response is to throw herself at his feet weeping. Mary doesn't have it all together in this moment. She doesn't have it all figured out. And what you're gonna see is Jesus, Jesus isn't gonna reason with her right now, right? Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with, with her and a deep anger welled up within him. Now you have to understand, a deep anger welled up within him in this moment because he is seeing what sin and death is doing to people that he cares about. He is seeing the response of their heartbrokenness and their hurt and their pain. And so this anger wells up inside of him, not at Mary and the people crying, but at sin and death in this moment. A deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Look at the two differences. Mary comes out, Martha comes out, she reasons. Her and Jesus have a conversation. She goes back and gets Mary. Mary comes out, throws herself at the feet of Jesus. Jesus sees her crying. He gets frustrated and angry because of death and sin, and then he cries. Do you see how he responds differently to two people in the same situation? We do not serve a one-size-fits-all God. We serve a God that is personally invested in you. There is a savior that he's not like, this is how I do it, and if you don't like it, you can go whatever. Like, that's not how Jesus is. Like, right now, I'm preaching, and I am saying things, but here's, what, here's what's so amazing. The Holy Spirit is taking what I'm saying and it is personalizing it to exactly to where you are. I don't have to know what you're believing for. I don't have to know what you're hoping for because God knows what you're hoping for and so it's gonna be personalized straight to you. We don't serve a one size fits all God. We serve a God, we have a savior that is intimately invested in who you are, your personality, and he is gonna interact with you the way that he has called you and designed you and not the way that he has called and designed other people. Does that make sense? And Becky and I learned this so much with this with Riley. So I'm literally, I'm sitting there, I'm typing on the computer, she's, she's talking, I'm sobbing at this moment. You know me, I'm a bit emotional anyway. I'm sobbing, my son is sobbing, and then she looks at us and says, why are you crying? And I'm like, don't start back talking me yet. And I mushed her face, I didn't do that. Um, and so, and so I, She's crying, I'm crying, and so over the next couple of days, like, God, why like this? Laying on the floor playing video games. God, we have prayed over her like hundreds of millions of times, why not in one of those moments? 
God, why not in the moments where I, had, I anointed Riley with so much oil when she was born that from the time that she was like born to five, she had a jerry curl forever. <laughs> she, looked, she could have been in a Soul Glow commercial. You know what I'm saying? Coming to America, what? Okay, still the greatest. Um, so like, God, why? Why not in hospitals? God, why not in therapy? We go to therapy, Lord, three times a week. Let me tell you what God told me, I'm, I'm not lying. Josh, if I had healed her in one of those moments, you would have tried to make it a formula. You would have tried to say, well, guys, listen, I don't, I don't know how healing works, but when Riley started speaking, here's what was happening. I had my hand on her stomach, I had my hand on her head, I was patting and rubbing, Oceans was playing in the background, it was, it was in the chorus, not the verse, the Lord only heals in the chorus of Oceans because the verse, we all know, like I would have tried to make it in this formula. I would have tried to say, well, this is what God does. And listen, if it is not in the Bible, no one can ever say, well, this is what God does. But what happens is, is people take personal opinion or personal experiences with God and they try to make them doctrines or they try to say, this is what God always does. Listen, this is, unless, unless it is in the Bible, you can't ever say, well, this is just what God does. Uh, show me. So that's what it was for me. It was this thing that I had nothing to do with it. And, and I'll be honest with you, I needed that. Because I know me, I know the way I'm wired. If it had been in a moment, I would have tried to recreate that moment in every person I ever prayed over. I would have tried to make it a formula. God is not a formula. Healing is not a formula. It's not X plus Y equals whatever. It's God's. So that's what it was for me, but here's what it was for my wife. So she, my wife actually Instagrammed this afterwards, and I wanna read this to you. And it just shows you the picture of the same situation and Jesus knowing exactly what Becca and I both needed and how what we needed in the same situation was different. Today was one of those days where I found myself for no particular reason wrestling with God a bit about some things regarding our little princess. As I was praying, I realized that I have been clinging too tightly, too tightly to my hopes and dreams for our girl lately, and that will always get in the way of me fully trusting God like I should be. It is a daily thing, and some days I do it way better than others, so I prayed God ah, would help me pry open my fingers once again so that I wasn't grasping too tightly to her or my hopes for her, but trusting fully in his plans and purposes. I finished praying and left Josh with the kids so I could run up to Target, see? <laughs> Five minutes after, and after I spent a million dollars at Target, I left, I left, I get this video from Josh of Riley talking out loud saying, Mommy, it is not at all what I had been praying about, but it absolutely is a beautiful and miraculous reminder he is still in this. His is more than deserving of, he is still more deserving of my faith and trust because of his faithfulness and that she is always better off in his hands and his plans instead of mine. Listen, I don't know, I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know what you're hoping for. I don't know what you're trusting God for. But can I encourage you that he knows exactly what you need? That, that he hears you, that he knows exactly what it is 
that you need. I think a lot of us have troubles because we think we know better than God. So we cry out, God, this is what I need. Have you ever like, when you were in high school or middle school or even college for some of you, been dating somebody and you prayed, Lord, if you would just let me marry this person, I, Lord, will never again darken your counsel with a request. And then you don't get married, and then you see that person like 10 years later, and you're like, Lord, I thank you that you ignored my requests. She's got like a Marlboro Red hanging out of her lips and like a tall boy at noon, and you're like, what's happening? She's like, you really missed the boat with me, sweetheart. And you're like, what? Listen, God knows. Don't point to people right now. Um, someone's like, I didn't dodge that bullet. Um, <laughs> um, My name is Josh Turner, I'm the Orlando pastor. This is the last time I will be preaching here at the arena. Um, <laughs> God knows what you need. He knows exactly what you need. And here's the last thing, the glory is his. Aiden and I were driving home and he just looked at me. I can't, I'm about to have, I'm, my son turns 13 this year. Um, we're driving home and he's, he's sitting next to me. He said, Dad, I don't, I don't understand how any of this has happened. He's like, I don't understand, we've, we've prayed, we, we did, I mean like, all these times, and, and listen guys, I know it was all the prayers that we prayed beforehand, you know what I mean, like I, I know that. But he's like, I, Dad, I don't understand, like why now, why, why, how, like he's trying to process it in his 12 year old little head amongst video games and, um, I said, buddy, here's all I know to tell you. This is it. It's Jesus. That's it. And there's some of you in here, listen, you have been believing for something for so long. And you have been believing and you have been hoping and you have been trusting and you have been holding on for specific outcomes, for specific answers to prayers. Can I encourage you that what you need more than you need a yes or no to your prayers is Jesus. God's love for you is not tied up in your circumstances. God's love for you is not tied up in whether he says yes or no to a prayer or you get that promotion or you don't get that promotion or whatever. God's love for you is tied up in the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you ever need to know that God loves you and that he has a plan for you, and he has a purpose for you, and he has a calling for you, you look at Jesus. And there's some of you in here this morning that, that what you need for the holiday season, whether it's an answer to prayer or not, you need Jesus. You need to be saved. Listen, the Bible is very clear, and I say this every time I do this, because I want you to know what you're doing, that all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glory. And what that means is that every person who has ever lived on this earth apart from Jesus Christ, we all need a savior. 
Everybody does. Everybody needs them to be, everybody needs to be forgiven because we all have sin. I don't care how great of a person you are, and I know there's a lot of great people in this room, but all of us have sin. All of us have thoughts that aren't Christ-like. All of us do things at times that aren't Christ-like. All of us do things that are contrary to the heart of God. And at the core of the reason and everything that we are able to be forgiven, it's all because of Jesus. And the Bible's clear that there is one way to the Father, and that is through the Son. And here's what that means. And this isn't politically correct, and I don't care. If Jesus Christ is not your savior, and you die, you will spend eternity separated from God. We would know that as hell. Now, I don't know if it looks like devils and pitchforks and pointy tails, but what I do know is this. Anything that is me separated from my creator for all of eternity is gonna be hell. So I don't know what it looks like. And then here's the other thing, here's here's me. If that was all, that's enough. Because I've done some shady stuff that I need to be forgiven of. Anybody else in here? (laughs) Phil, put your hand up. Um, (laughs) I need to be forgiven of. And if that was enough, that would be good. But John 10, 10. Jesus Christ came to give us a life and a life more abundant. I wanna live the abundant life. And you can't do that without Jesus. And there's some of you in here this morning that you need for the first time ever to commit your life. And there's some of you that you need to recommit your life. You haven't lost your salvation, but you know you just need to come back to Jesus. You need to recommit, you need to bend that knee, you need to ask for forgiveness of your sins and make Jesus the Lord of your life again. Amen? So I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning. If you're in this place, and that's you, you need to commit, you need to recommit your life to Christ. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three. And I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. That's it. I'm not gonna ask you to come down, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. If you need to commit or recommit your life to Christ, One, two, three, raise them. There are just a lot of hands in here, lots of hands. I wanna say a prayer and then then here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna do one more altar call, but I want everyone as a church, can we repeat this together? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I thank you that I can have a life and a life more abundant because of you, amen. Now stay with me one minute, stay with me, heads down. There's some of you in here, you're believing for something. And what God spoke to you is, listen, I'm still in this thing with you. Just because I haven't said yes or just because I haven't said no doesn't mean I'm not going to. Trust me that my timing is perfect. And trust me that I know what you need. If that's you in this place, I'm gonna count to three and I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, raise them. God, you see every hand in this room. God, you know what every person in this room is struggling with. God, you know what they are believing for. God, I pray that you would give them a peace. God, I pray that you would give them a hope. 
And God, that you would allow them to know, God, that you are still with them in this journey, that you hear them and that you haven't forgotten about them. And God, we pray all these things in your son's holy name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.